Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland, so that we can help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. You can always join us in person each Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 11 here on our beautiful campus in Rock Spring, Georgia. Uh, Joshua chapter 7, it's in the kind of the beginning of your Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, right in through that area. Joshua chapter 7. So I, I always preach sermon series, it's, it's what I do, and I just finished up one entitled, um, So, uh, What You Sow Will Grow, and, and, and if you didn't hear those sermons, they're all on the Peavine City app, and you can listen to audio or the, watch the video if you just click on sermon series. It'll take you to the video of those. And typically I go from one sermon series to the next, what the Lord lays on my heart. But this time I really, in trying to study for it, I just felt like the Lord wanted me to uh, not do a sermon series, but just do a series of one kind of one-off sermons. And so that's what I'm going to do today and, and um, over the next few weeks. So no sermon series, uh, just a few sermons. Because what happens is when I'm preaching a series, God will lay something on my heart and I'll, I'll write it down and set it over to the side in a folder, tickle file I have. So, and I think I've told you, I read through my Bible. Uh, I'm on a two-year read reading program. And, and so I'll start reading some, you know, right now I'm in the Old Testament primarily and, and, and uh, God will give me a word over there that he, I feel like he wants me to share. And that's really what I'm going to do today. It's a word God kind of gave to me a while back, uh, weeks ago that, that I want to share with you today. And I'll preach on this subject. Now I'm going to be honest with you, hard subject, tough subject this morning. So just, you know, put on your big boy pants and uh, let's get ready. All right. Joshua chapter seven, I want to preach on this is sin in your tent. Is sin in your tent. I didn't see this show I'm going to talk about. It was a CBS show in 2017 called Hunted. It was based off an English show that had the same title. And uh, the premise of the series was this. It only made it one year, and I'm going to see if I can go back and maybe catch an episode or two. But it only made it one year. But here was the premise of the show, that you were going to be hunted for 28 days, and people were going to try to catch you. That's really the impetus of the show. But there were nine different teams of two It was filmed in Georgia, and so you had to stay in a 100,000-square-mile region in the southeastern United States, which would basically be the whole southeastern region, and you were just turned loose and on the run, you hoped, for 28 days. If you made it 28 days, you won a quarter of a million dollars, but here's the kicker. Not only were you being hunted, you were being hunted by former members of the CIA, former members of the FBI, forensic analysts, uh, members of the Navy investigation team, uh, U.S. Marshals, the police, Coast Guard, and all the technology they could muster. And for 28 days, you had to avoid all of that in that 100,000 square mile radius. And there were seven major rules with the show. Number one, you, you had to move every 48 hours. You couldn't find one spot and stay there 28 days. You could never return to the same place twice. You could never be helped by the same person twice. So you could get your family to help you. You could get strangers to help you, which is most often what they did. But you really, it's hard to get family and friends because they were monitoring family and friends. You couldn't be helped by the same person twice. You had to use an ATM two times during the 28 days. And the reason was they marked you when you used ATM, they knew exactly where, where you were, but you couldn't withdraw more than a hundred dollars and you couldn't use the ATM twice in one day. Nobody was allowed to give you money. And the seventh rule, which is the funniest one to me, the seventh rule was producers can create a rule or take away a rule at any time. 
So if you were good at hiding, they might take a rule away from you. But here's the neat thing. In the only season it appeared, two teams won a quarter of a million dollars, which is probably why the show's not on. They didn't want anybody to win in two teams. Stephen and English King, the married couple on the left, and Lee Wilson and Hilmar Skagfield are, are the two friends who are on the right. And they won a quarter of a million dollars apiece because they were able to elude FBI, CIA, you know the list, for 28 days. And even when they eluded them, uh, they were within an hour or two of being captured when they made it the 28 days. And one of the forensic analysts on the show, her name is Zaire... Pizzotta said this, hiding from law enforcement is almost impossible these days. Given the vast array of surveillance tools available, even being intimately acquainted with those tools isn't much help. I could never have made it the 28 days. Here's what you said, she said. If you are really hunted, you will get caught. Here's some of the people who, had, who were hunting them, had hunted uh, were responsible for tracking down Al-Qaeda members. Al-Qaeda members who used no technology, Al-Qaeda members who lived in remote forests and caves, and Al-Qaeda members who never stayed in one place more than a couple of days. And here's what they said. When we were hunting somebody, they always eventually got caught. They always eventually got caught. This morning, can I tell you something about God? God doesn't need the FBI or the CIA or forensic analysis or any of the technology they have. He's better than all of them. And God has a message for you today. You will always eventually get caught. You will always eventually get caught. Now, if you're a believer, you need to hear that day. Now, hear me well. I'm not talking about every little thing you do wrong. I'm not talking about it maybe, maybe one little thing you've done wrong. That's not what God is even referred to in Joshua chapter, chapter 7. We're talking about blatant disobedience of God. You need to know that your sin always catches up with you, that your sin always gets revealed, that your sin always does damage, that you cannot Hide your sin. If there is sin in your tent, you will always eventually get caught. And that's what the man in Joshua chapter 7 found out. It was a man named Achan who thought he would never get caught and he had sin in his tent, but he found out you always eventually get caught. So in honor of reading God's word, would you stand with me with your Bibles? And if you don't have your Bible, that's fine. It's up on the screen and you can follow along up on the screen. I really wanted to read the whole chapter, but we don't have time for that. So just follow along with me. I'll tell you where to skip around to. We're going to begin in verse number one. But the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things for Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah took of the accursed things. So the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. Verse two, now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth-Avon on the east side of Bethel, and spoke to them saying, go up and spy out the country. So the men went up and spied out Ai, and they returned to Joshua and said to him, do not let all the people go up, but let about two or 3,000 men go up and attack Ai. Do not weary all the people there, for the people of Ai are few. So about 3,000 men went up from uh, there from the people, but they fled before the men of Ai. The men of Ai struck down about 36 men, for they chased them from before the gate as far as Sherebirim and struck them down on the descent. Therefore, the hearts of the people melted and became like water. Now look at verse 16. 
So Joshua rose early in the morning and brought Israel by their tribes and the tribe of Judah was taken. He brought the clan of Judah and he took the family of the Zerites and he brought the family of the Zerites man by man and Zabdi was taken. Then he brought the household man by man and Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah was taken. And Joshua said to Achan, my son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord God of Israel. Make confession to him and tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel. This is what I've done when I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver, a wedge of gold, weighing 50 shekels. I coveted them and took them, and there they are hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent with the silver under it. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran to the tent. There it was, hidden in the tent, hidden in his tent, the silver under it. And they took it from the midst of the tent, brought them to Joshua and to all the children of Israel, and laid them out before the Lord. Then Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver, gar- the silver, the garment, the wedge of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had, and they brought them to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. So all Israel stoned him with stones, and they burned them with fire after they'd stoned them with stones. Thank you. You may be seated. So let me just tell you where we are. I didn't have time to read the whole story, but I can recap it in just a couple of moments. Joshua has taken over for Moses and the children of Israel are marching to conquer the promised land. You know, because of Moses' sin, he wasn't allowed to enter the promised land. So the mantle's been handed to Joshua and Joshua's taken the children of Israel and man, he's been commissioned in Joshua chapter one and the Lord's with him and man, off he goes. And the first city they come to is a city called Jericho and it's this great, great walled city. And there was no way they could penetrate the city. uh, uh, Israel didn't have wall-piercing bullets or armor-piercing bullets. And so Jericho had this amazing wall city. There was no way for Israel to win the battle. If you know the story, God had the Israelites march around the city. Matter of fact, God had the band march around the city. You know, seven times they blew the trumpets, the wall fell. The walls crumbled and they marched in and destroyed the city. But here's the thing you need to know. Jericho was the first city in the promised land they conquered. And all of the boon, all of the spoils was supposed to be untouched and given to the Lord as an offering. Jericho was the tithe of the promised land. It was the first fruits of the promised land. We know throughout scripture that we as God's children are never to touch the tithe. We're never to touch the first fruits. And that's what God had told them that all of the spoils of this city, the first fruit, the tithe, all of that will go to my temple. And then after that, you can have everything. Matter of fact, we see it in Joshua chapter six, verse 19, but all the silver and gold and vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. Oh, that was only Jericho. After Jericho, they could march through the promised land, take everything they wanted, but the Israelites were not to touch a thing in Jericho. It was all to go to the Lord. But a guy named Achan ran across some silver and some gold and some clothes, and he decided to help himself, and he took it, and he in the middle of his tent. And then after Jericho, Israel had this little city to fight, a little city named Ai. Now, now it, the children of Israel probably had hundreds of thousands of soldiers, but they sent 3,000 men because it's such a small city. They didn't consult God, and they sent 100,000 men, and, and, and they had 100,000, 100, but sent 3,000 men to Ai, and it should have been an easy victory, but they were routed and defeated, and 
Joshua was heartbroken. We didn't read this passage in chapter seven, but <laughs> Joshua was heartbroken and he grabbed the elders and they fell on their face before God and they began to pray and they say, God, why would you let this happen? And God has the most amazing response. God said, get up from off your face and quit praying. This is not the time to pray. There is sin in your camp and I will not step another foot with the children of Israel as long as there's sin in the camp. And so Joshua heard him and the next day, they brought all of the children of Israel out and they cast lots. We, we, there's several ways to cast lots in the Bible. Well, one of the most common ways was, we, we would call it drawing straws, you know, the short straw wins or loses. And so they had the 12 tribes of Israel maybe draw straws and, and the short straw was the tribe of Judah. And then they had every family in the tribe of Judah draw straws and the, the family of Zerah drew the short, short straw. Then they had all the families of Zerah draw straws and the family of Zabdi do, drew the short straw. And then they had all the families of Zabdi draw the, it's like the grandfather, the great grandfather. And now finally they had all the fathers draw straws and a guy named Achan drew the short straw. He had taken the silver and the gold and the garments and he had buried them in his tent and he had disobeyed a direct commandment and he had tried his best to hear it, but he learned that you cannot hide your sin. And so there at the end of chapter seven, Achan and his family paid the ultimate price. And where they were stoned, they named the, the, the valley, the Valley of Acre, which may have been a play on words with Achan, but it meant the Valley of Trouble. And that's just a brief retelling of the story. It's a sad, sad story, but get this. It's a sad, sad story that's been repeated over and over again with different sins and different characters, but the same loss and the same ruin. And I want to take that story, and there's 20 things I could say, but there's six things I really want to drive home today, and I'll hit them quickly, and I'd encourage you to take notes and listen in your heart. Six things I want to tell you. Number one is this. Victory can lead to defeat. Victory can lead to defeat. The children of Israel had just had the most amazing victory. It's the most amazing victory of all the promised land. They've destroyed this wall city with the help of God. They wiped out the whole city. And no doubt they're standing in Jericho and they're celebrating and they're rejoicing and they're thanking God. No doubt they were confident in, the, in their ability to withstand the enemy. We know it's true. Because their little city of Ai, they only sent 3,000 men. They're like, we got this. We don't even need to send everybody. We got send, let's send 3,000. That'll be more than enough. Because why? In the, they were so confident in their power. They were so confident in their ability. They were so confident. And, and, and they had a victory rush after Jericho. And in the middle of that victory, in the middle of that confidence, in the middle of that power, get this, the devil found a way in. In the middle of all of that strength, the devil still, still got in. And can I tell you this today, that when we sometimes feel we are at our strongest and best, when we feel as if we have just conquered the Christian life, I mean, man, we've prayed for two weeks in a row. We've read our Bible for two weeks in a row. God's been speaking to our heart. Everything's good with our family. I'm not mad at anybody. Nobody's mad at me. My relationships are great. I am living in the victory of the Lord. I have conquered the Christian life. Things are going great at church, men serving God, living for Jesus. I mean, I am on a spiritual high. Can I tell you something? That even in your greatest victories, when you are on a spiritual high, the enemy is still looking for a chink in your armor. 
And we get the idea, I have arrived. I have, I am at the Christian life finish line. I have won the race and no doubt Aiken was thinking, man, I have destroyed enemy today. I've helped conquer Jericho. I'm one of the best soldiers the children of Israel have. I am on a high and yet still in the midst of the victory. Aiken snatched defeat out of the jaws of victory. You have to be careful in life that we don't celebrate too soon or think we've got the Christian life won because about the time you do, the devil will find a chink in your armor. Just a little bit ago, they were running a, uh, a, a track meet and it was a long, long race they were running and it was a college track meet and a guy, I can't pronounce his name right, but his name was like Tangai Perot. He was a, he was a runner for uh, the University of Oregon he was running, a, he was running in, a, in a stadium and there were 3,000 people and he, in this long, long race, he had a huge lead. And so when Tangai got to the finish line, he started cheering the crowd on as he was, yeah, probably not, right? I mean, like, you, you see the look on his face? He's like, I got this, I get this, y'all cheer me on, I'm awesome, I'm great, look at me. And then he saw that guy and his eyes got bigger and his saucers like, where did you come from? The guy that passed him was a guy named Marone Simon and they interviewed him afterwards and here's what he said, I quote. He said, I was like, I don't think he knows I'm coming. I just went to the line and just raced. Can I tell you this? The Christian life is a battle start to finish and sometimes we act as if the enemy is not coming. Sometimes we act as if the battle is over. Can I tell you something? Don't ever slow up. Don't ever think it's behind you. Don't ever think it can't happen to you. Here's what Paul said when he got over into Galatians chapter six. Paul said this, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Paul said there are gonna be people that when things are going well with you, they fall into sin and trespass and you're gonna have this, tempt- t- this tendency to think, well, that could never happen to me. And you're celebrating too early. And Paul said, when you think you're something, understand you're nothing and the devil is coming after you. Be careful when it comes to sin, victory can lead to defeat. Let me show you the second thing we learned from this story. Number two, don't let the sparkle fool you. What do you mean, preacher? Achan saw silver, gold, and garment. Silver, gold, and garment. And Achan fell prey to the devil's oldest trick. Listen to me. Look this way. Listen to me. Here's what Achan fell prey to. That the sparkly thing will be worth it. That the shiny thing will be worth it. That is the oldest trick of the enemy. And whatever the enemy is tricking you with, he tells you that if you get it, your life will be happier. That if you get it, your life will be more complete. That if you get it, you'll be better off. That if you get it, you'll have more fun in life. The sparkly thing is good. And if you'll just grab the sparkly thing, then life will be so much better. And listen, it's the same lie he sold Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve with a garden of Eden full of fruit. That wasn't all the food that was in a region. That was all the food that was in the world was in the garden of Eden. And there's one out of the way fruit tree. (laughs) Eve couldn't get her eyes off of it. Adam couldn't get his eyes off of it. They sat there and stared at it all day. And the enemy said, hey, that sparkly fruit, 
It's so good to eat. It's better than everything else in the garden. And that sparkly fruit, it'll make you so much stronger and wiser. That sparkly fruit is really worth it. And yet they, they, the sparkly thing tricked them and they cast all of humanity into ruin. The sparkly thing fooled Judas when he saw 30 pieces of silver smart, sparkling and it caused Judas to give up his life and his eternal soul. The sparkly thing fooled David when David looked out over the ramparts and Bathsheba was a sparkly woman over there and he fell prey to the sparkly thing and he committed adultery and he committed murder and he lost his whole family and he, he, he said the sparkly thing's worth it and Samson did the same thing. Samson thought a few one-night stands with a woman he wasn't supposed to be with would be worth it. The sparkly thing will make me better. The sparkly thing will make me happier. But can I tell you this? Here's what sin does. When you think you're getting it, you're not. It's getting you. And you may have pleasure in sin for a season, but oh, it's such a short season. It's a blast that doesn't last. And here's what the writer of Hebrews told us in Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Hear me this morning. The pleasures of sin are passing, but the pain is normally permanent. The pleasures of sin are always passing, but more times than not, the pain is permanent and the sparkly thing is never worth it. Show you the third thing and I'll say it quickly. Number three is this, your sin does hurt others. Right, that's what we learned from this story because here's what people have told me all my ministry. Well, preacher, my sin didn't hurt anybody but me. My sin didn't bother anybody but me. No one else is getting hurt from my sin. But listen, that is not true. And there's no doubt when Achan took of that gold and the silver and the garments and he took them to his tent, Achan said to himself, well, I'm not hurting anybody but me. It's not true. 36 soldiers lost their lives because Achan sinned. Achan's wife and his kids and all that he had lost their lives because Achan sins. Listen to me carefully. I just want you to hear this and I'll move on. You may think you can hide your sin. You may think your sin doesn't hurt others. But hear me, there is always collateral damage to your sin. Or preacher, it's just me. That's never just you. When there's sin in your tent, people are always going to get hurt. You can't stop it. Sin always brings ruin. It always brings death. It always brings hurt. It always brings pain. It always brings separations. Your sin does hurt others. The fourth thing we learn is this from Achan. You can't hide your sin. Now, hey, I'm going to give Achan credit. Let's give credit where credit was due. He was sneakier than most. Achan smuggled out. 50 shekels of gold, 200 shekels of silver, and some garments. That's some pretty good smuggling going on. I don't know how he did it. I don't know if he went back late at night. I don't know if he wrapped it around himself and just told the guys he'd put on some weight as he was going back to his tent. I don't know what he did. But he took it, smuggled it, and buried it in his tent. Listen, not one person called him. I don't even believe his family knew what he did. But then we learn you can cover it up all you want, but you can never really cover it up. You can hide it all you want, but you can never hide it. You can scheme all you want, but you'll never hide it. You can get help if you want to, but you'll never hide it. You can cover your tracks if you want to. You will still get found out. And God is trying to warn someone here today because you think you have it covered. But listen, you know the amazing thing about this story? Nobody told on Achan. Nobody ratted Achan out. 
They drew straws. I mean, you would think, how are we going to find out who did it, uh, 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 Joshua? Uh, we're just gonna, God said, draw straws. <laughs> okay, that's probably not going to work, just so you know. And Achan's probably like, whew, no chance that's going to work. But you know what? It did work. Why did it work? Achan learned the lesson that you need to learn today, that we all need to learn. You can't hide your sin. Why can't you hide your sin? Because God told him in Numbers 32, 23. But if you do not do so, then take note. You have sinned against the Lord and be sure your sin will find you out. No matter how you try to cover it up, your sin will find you out. About almost 20 years ago now, my wife and I, we built our, we built our first home and uh, when I was pastoring uh, the church in Dalton, we, we built our first home and it's the first only home we ever built. And you know how it is, you just move into the home and you're trying to take care of everything. That's true if you just buy one or build one, but we'd built this one and, and uh, we were, uh, you know, just taking care of it. And it was on a Wednesday night. I came home with the girls and we just moved into the house, hadn't been there long. And, and, and she was still at choir practice and, and Savannah came home, my oldest daughter, and, and she was like, hey, dad, I want a snack. And, and uh, we, somehow Savannah, we laugh about it now, Savannah's 16 years old, and she'd say, can I get a drink of water? And we're like, baby, anything in our house is yours. It's your, you don't have to ask for a drink of water. But she's like, you know, she's like, daddy, can I have a, I want, I'm going to get some, uh, a snack, and I'm going to get some grape juice. But grape juice is a thing, right? Because I was like, no, honey, I don't want you getting grape juice. I'll pour you a little bit right here. But the floors are new, the paint's new, the house is new. I don't trust you wandering even into the dining room. She was going from the kitchen to the dining room. I don't trust you in there with grape juice and I, I just don't want you to have it because I feel like it's going to mess things up. Let me pour you a little sip here. I'll put it in a sippy cup, even though you're 13 years old. I'll put it in a sippy cup and you can drink it right here because I just don't want grape juice everywhere. And she was like, dad, come on. I'm 13 years old. I'm a teenager. Let me drink it. And I'm like, this grape juice, man. I know how these goes. You're an athlete and all this, but you're going to make a mess. It's going to happen. I know it is. She's like, daddy, come on. I'm 13 years old. And so finally I said, all right. I gave in. I gave her a big glass of grape juice. That's what she wanted. And she got a snack. She went to the dining room and it was like, I, I can't even describe, she tripped over her own feet, which is not possible. She's the most graceful one of all of us, athletic. She tripped over her own feet. She took a 16 ounce tumbler of grape juice and it jerked in the air and grape juice went all over the walls, all down my new white sparkly baseboard and all into our tile and hardwood. And I did what you shouldn't do. Like this is an embarrassing story to me because I'm embarrassed by it. Savannah tells it better than me because she gives really my true reaction. But for the sake of my reputation, I won't tell you, but I really did not react well. <laughs> I raised my voice. I got in all my told you so's. I mean, I just reacted well. And right in the middle of me raising my voice and letting her have it, big old tears begin to stream down her face. You know, and, and I didn't, at this point, I don't have a drop of sympathy whatsoever because I'm like, I told you it was going to happen. I said it. I had the sippy cup out for you. I don't know why you didn't drink of a sippy cup. And, and now look at the one. I just went on and on. And she's just crying and crying and crying. And, uh, I, you know, we're kind of working through it and it's calming down. I look down at my watch and it's about eight or nine or 10 minutes before Sherry's due home from choir practice. And I quickly assess the situation. Kid spills milk, grape juice, but let's just say daddy goes berserk. Kid is crying. Daddy's in trouble. 
right? You can do the math, right? Right? You can do the math. You're a guy. I didn't do anything, but I did it, and now I'm going to pay for it. And so I, I'm looking down my watch, and I got seven, eight, nine, ten minutes left. And I said, hey, man, for my own sake, I got to, because it actually came up better than I thought it was going to come up. And so, so now I'm like, hey, baby, you know what? And I literally said this. She says that she'll tell the story better than me. But she was like, I was like, I was just joking about being angry. It's okay. Let me go get you some more grape juice. And I went and poured her more grape juice and said it before. And I sit at the table with her and I'm just like, let me tell you 10 things I love about you, Savannah. I love you so much. And I'm trying to butter up and get her all done. And I'm looking down at my watch and it's just about two minutes or a minute before Sherry gets home. We're going to hear the garage door open any minute. And, and Savannah is finished and she's coming to me. And she came to me and I said, I'm breaking out the tickle monster and I started tickling her and hold her down and got her laughing and I had her down the floor and I was tickling her and she was laughing and Sherry walked in the door and Savannah popped up and she went, Daddy screamed at me. <laughs> I had tickle monster going, baby. Why am I in like this? You would quit crying. It was all good, man. Why, 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 why? And here's what you know that do everything in the world you want to do to cover it up and it's still going to come out. Just when I thought I had it all covered up, Savannah spoke up. And can I tell you this? Just when you think you have your sin covered up, trust me, it will speak up one day. I'll show you the fifth thing and I've got to hurry here. Number five is this. Repentance and regret aren't the same thing. Because let me, let me, can I ask the question that's on your mind? Because it's obviously on my mind too, because I'm a sinner just like you. What about forgiveness? What about grace, preacher? What about mercy? What about restoration? Like you're, you're talking about our sin destroying our lives, but what about mercy? What about grace? And look, I'm there with you. I'm a believer in all those things, but those things are not automatic. Those things come with repentance. And can I tell you this? There's a huge difference between repentance and regret. Let me tell you what those are. You say, well, what is repentance? Repentance is when I get conviction over my sin. I admit my sin. I set my feet on the right path without any coercion from anybody. I am brokenhearted over what my sin has done. And I confess and forsake my sin, and I walk away from that sin, and I may have never got caught, but that my own sin broke my own heart. When the Spirit of God convicted my heart, that is repentance. Regret is when you get caught in your sin. You have partial truth dragged out of you because you hardly ever admit it all. You're still trying to cover it up the best you can. And here's the kicker. You still long for your sin. You still miss your sin. And if given the chance, you'll go right back to it. That's regret. Achan, in Joshua chapter 7, Achan had regret and not a hint of repentance. Can I tell you this, that Mercy in your life comes from repentance, not regret. 
Grace in your life comes repentance, not regret. Restoration in your life comes from repentance, not regret. That if you wait until God uncovers your sin, if you wait until you get caught, 99% chance you will have regret and not repentance. And so here's the message today. Don't wait until you are caught before you come clean with the Lord. You want mercy, repent. You want grace, repent. You want restoration, repent, repent, repent. Number six, and I'm finished. Sin always costs you more than you want to pay. Sin always costs more than you want to pay. Verse 25, here's what he said. Why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. So all Israel stoned him with stones and they burned them with fire after they'd stoned them with stones. Sin costs Achan so much. Can we do this today? I want to interview Aiken. Let's just imagine I'm a report, news reporter. I'll be Biff Biffer from Channel 6 Action News, all right? And so I'm going, I'm on the scene of Jericho, and I go up in the ruins, and, I, and I'm looking at Aiken, and Aiken has uh, in his possession gold, silver, and garments. And I, I say, hey, Aiken, I'm Biff Biffer from Channel 6 Action News. What you got there, Aiken? Aiken would have said this, well, I got a few things to make my life, family's life better. You know, I fought hard today, and so I've got some money, and I'm going to put aside for my kids' college education, and I've got some money, I'm going to buy my wife a nicer tent, and I've got a beautiful cloak here, that's the only thing I'm taking for myself. You know, Biff, just a few simple things, a few simple pleasures, not much at all. Thanks, Aiken. Biff here with Channel 6 Action News, and I just want to ask you a question. Didn't God say not to take anything? Listen to Aiken. Aiken would have said, uh, come on, Biff, he did, but that's a little too restrictive. I have fought all day. I'm one of the best soldiers Israel have. I've taken out so many of the enemy. Listen, here's what, Biff would have, here's what Aiken would have said. Biff, I deserve this. Here's what Aiken would have said. Biff, God wants me to be happy. Thanks, Aiken, but... Just one more question. What if I told you I had a crystal ball and I looked into the future and if you take those things out of Jericho, it's gonna cost you your life, your wife, your family, and everything you have. If you step over the broken wall with those things, you lose everything you have. Do you still want it? Without a doubt, Aiken would have dropped everything where it was. And he would have walked out of Jericho with nothing in his hands. Why? Because if he had known what it would cost him, he would have said it was too high of a price to pay. Achan would have never committed the sin because it cost him more than he wanted to pay. And listen carefully. <laughs> that is always the case. Sin always costs more than you want to pay. So walk away. Don't give in. And if you already have, repent now because the price is too high. Close your Bibles and I'm finished. I want to show you this picture. This happened uh, uh, actually a few years ago. It happened in 2013 and um, it's not a really good picture. It's the only one I could find, but there were some truck jackers in, in Mexico. A guy with a semi-truck had... Um, Stopped at a restaurant, a truck stop in Mexico. He, he'd gone in to get something to eat and um, 
some truck jackers, they probably did this regularly. They jumped in the truck, they hot wired it, and they drove off with it. But here's what they didn't know. It wasn't food, it wasn't guns, it wasn't technology. They didn't look. They just assumed it'd be something they could sell. And what they'd taken off with was something, a truckload of something called Cobalt 60. It was a very dangerous radioactive material that's used in the medical industry for medical radiation therapy. And so they took off with the truck. When the truck driver figured it out, of course, he called it in and it set off an international incident. Nations all over the world were worried about it because it's, it'd be complicated, but if terrorists knew what they were doing, they could make a dirty bomb uh, and kill tens of thousands of people with this cobalt 60. But fortunately, it wasn't terrorist. Because not long after that, miles down the road, they found the truck on the side of the road and the, the thieves had broken into the trailer. <laughs> they had taken off all the protective coverings and they had exposed the Cobalt 60 out in the open air and to themselves. When officials got there, uh, the thieves were nowhere to be found. They had to call in radiation experts and all that to contain it. And here's what the scientists said. As far as I know to this day, I did all the research I could find. As far as I know to this day, the thieves had never been caught and found. And here's why. Scientists said that without a doubt, two days. The thieves would be dead within two days. The very thing they thought would make them happy is what's destroyed them. Can I ask you the question this morning? Is there sin in your tent? Because the very thing that you think will make you happy will destroy you. Would you stand with me this morning with your heads bowed and your eyes closed? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Nobody's looking around. you're here today and you want to join our church, there's two ways to join our church. Our staff is up here at front. You can walk down the aisle and tell them you'd like to join our church and they'll ask you a few questions and walk you through the process. After the service is over, we have next step stations in the back two corners of this building. We'll have staff members standing there and uh, you'll see a little tent that says next steps, not a tent, but just a little placard that says next steps. And you can go back there and join. You want to be baptized. You've been saved, but never baptized. You can come down front and tell a staff or you can go back to you, you can go backwards after the service and a staff member will be there for about 10 minutes and they'll, uh, <laughs> they'll tell you how to be baptized or you can come front and do it now. You wanna become a Christian, can I tell you this? That if you insist on holding on to your sin and you're not a Christian, your sin will cost you your eternal soul. That's not a decision you put off to next week or even tomorrow or this afternoon. That's a decision you make today that you're gonna trust Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life. And our staffs up front, they'd love to pray with you. They'll be at the next step station. They'd love to pray with you back there. If you wanna do that, be saved. That's the only reason to go to next steps is to be saved, be baptized or to join the church. You can come front or after the service, go back there either way. But I spoke primarily to Christians and let me speak to you just for a moment because we can get sin in our own lives. And I know the sermon I preach. I know the altar call I'm giving. I know it's a difficult altar call. But the truth is, some of you are being enticed by something sparkly and you need to come to the altar and say, God, do not let me give in. I need strength. Some of you teenagers are being enticed by something that the enemy's saying to make your life better and you need to come to the altar and say, no, God, no, let me, give me the strength not to give in. 
Some of you adults the same way. Some of you already have partaken and you need to find your way to the altar. And this morning, what you need to do is say, God, I want to repent. I want to get this out of my life. I want grace. I want mercy. I want forgiveness. I want restoration. You don't have to stand up and announce what you did. You don't have to tell a soul. You need to deal with God and say, God, I, I don't want to pay the price of this sin. I want grace. I want mercy. Lord, give that to me today. I know it's a difficult altar call. But it is no harder. It pales in comparison to the price you'll pay if you don't do business with the Lord today. So Father, draw us with your spirit as you've spoken to us through your word. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week, helping you to apply God's word to your daily life. For more information about Peavine, be sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and at our website, www.peavine.org. Thanks for listening.